Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. What's up, people? This is DJ. Hey, mi gente. This is Ish. And, and this, this is season, season two, two of Pero Let Me Tell You. Dime cuando tú, dime cuando tú vas a volver. Ha, ha. You know what's funny? Like, I mean, obviously, growing up, uh, hashtag growing up Hispanic, you know right. Juan Gabriel because, you know, you watched Siempre en Domingo. And when Lo Comía wasn't on, it was him. It was Juan Gabriel. Right. But I really know a lot of Juan Gabriel songs because of Pandora. The music group, not the... Not yes, the a bracelet. Not, oh, I was going to say the streaming platform. Uh, or No. <laughs> <laughs> no, Pandora, Pandora, the group. The group, yeah. Because they had like this medley of, 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 Veda, of, Veda. of his songs. Veda, uh, like... Eh, Juan, Gabriel. Juan Gabriel. Querida. Dun, dun, dun. Siempre en domingo, man. Are we, are we recording? Yeah. Oh. I, I was just going to sit here and wait till you figured out what song Talia was singing on there. De lo gracias por la vida. Speaking of. De lo gracias al amor. Is that, that's Juan Gabriel? Yeah. Por Gabriel. estar contigo. Contigo. That's so funny that two of her biggest, not biggest, biggest, but two of her, I would say, easily top 10 hits are covers. Wait, what's the other one? A quien le importa. Oh, I didn't know that was a cover. That's a Fangoria cover. Uh, well, it sounds like something yeah. Fangoria would say. Yeah. Episode 83, right? Yes, it is. Welcome to episode 83, everyone, <laughs> as we're talking about Juan Gabriel and Thalia and Fangoria. Uh, well, episode 83. Uh, exactly. How is everybody? Oh, it's Friday, so you know they're doing great. Pero Friday. Pero Friday, hashtag. <coughs> Ooh, salud. Excuse me. Pero Friday, here we are. Another week. Another, with us. Another week with us. Yay. I can't so, wait. I'm in October. I know. I sound like my parents. But. Well, I was going to say thank you to uh, our listeners for your continued support. Yeah. 
another year almost under the belt. I know that's crazy. I was thinking about it. I was thinking about it uh, the other day. I'm like, man, it, season two is coming to an end. Well, at the end of the year, uh, but the end of the year is here. Yeah. Oh yeah. Once we get to October, yeah, Home Depot has Christmas stuff. See, no, ponte disfraz, come guanajo y, 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 y and listen to Juan Gabriel. Juan Gabriel, exactly. Querida. <laughs> Well, that's how we should end the year this year. Querida. <laughs> on a loop. <laughs> on a loop. Oh, my God. Just all, that's, that's the only thing we listen for like the last okay, hour Do you of the remember year. the concert that he did? It was right before he died. Donde se despetronco? No, 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 no. The concert that he did that there were like a hundred musicians on stage with him. And I couldn't figure out what anybody was doing. Yeah, yeah, because they were just standing there. They were just standing there and rocking back and yeah. forth. It looked great from a visual perspective. It looked great, but I remember watching it and being like, "Okay, there's like a hundred musicians on stage. They can't all be playing." And he, this was like a tour, right? Yeah, yeah. And I'm like, "Okay, they can't all be playing an instrument." He was just MC hammering it. I don't know. I mean, again, visually it was great, but you know, he is a legend, or was a legend. Well, he well, still is. is yeah, a yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, there was a rumor that he was alive. Was he hanging out with Tupac? I don't know. Can you imagine? Pero donde está la Selena? <laughs> She's with Gabriel. Si una vez dije que te amaba hoy me arrepiento. That's the best. That song. I love Selena. Anyway, bueno. Here we are, note. episode 83. <laughs> 83. How was everybody's week long? Okay, great. Well, that's why you tuned in to us. Yes, we're your, we're your dose of relief. So, speaking of relief. Pepto-Bismol? Viste. <laughs> que okay. Donald Trump now... <laughs> Hey, pero that's relief. Really, that's your interpretation. No, this is comic relief. relief. Ah, bueno, you know okay, what? Okay, okay. Comic relief. Okay. Entonces, like, entonces, listen, entonces, seriously. Okay. I think that no matter what side of the aisle you're on, mm -hmm. whether you're a Trump supporter or you're not, I think that with how crazy politics has, have been in the last few years, it's just entertainment. It, 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 there comes a point that you have to laugh, right? Because if not, you're going to have a coronary and like right. drop dead. <laughs> and, and don't do that because then our numbers will go down. And then. So he's being so okay. So there's the whole impeachment investigation going on. Well, if they're going to impeach right, him, right. It's, right. it's not even the impeachment yet. It's no, it's an inquiry, inquiry correct, right? Correct. If they're going to impeach him, and remember that the reason that they would impeach him is if he told a foreign, if it was a, there was a quid pro quo correct. that he was would tell a foreign country right. to get dirt on Do this the Biden and, you'll get, and you'll get the money, mm -hmm. which was already. You know, in terms of legislation and Congress was already passed and right. approved. But today, so you would think that somebody who's being accused of this might might be a little quiet. So this no week, way. on top of saying down. bullshit, literally bullshit, in one of his tweets, so the president of the United so States, so eloquent. he told China yesterday, the publicly, he told China to investigate the Bidens. <laughs> yeah. So he's already being investigated, or, or initial investigation, for doing something he's going to go ahead and say out loud. I... Él no está bien. I... I These I are not the actions if, of a rational person. If I was his advisor, but it, all his people quit, so... Wouldn't you, know, you? I just... I don't know any... I don't know anymore. I don't know what to say about him anymore. I just... I don't. And as you know, I'm not short on words right. with anything in, <laughs> in general. In general, I'm not. But I don't. I don't know what to say anymore. I don't. I just because you want to say like, oh, but then it's like, no. But he seems very like strategic. You know what I mean when he does other things. So it's like I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. All I know is that 
I don't know what's gonna happen with this whole thing. You know what's you know what's hilarious is that so this week in the in the inquiry mm-hmm. regarding again the um, the uh, Ukraine the situation. Ukraine investigation the Ukraine issue. He kind of threw Mike Pence under the bus. Oh yeah, like yeah, la- yeah last week. Yeah. No? wouldn't it be interesting if like they do a full blown impeachment and they impeach both of them? Nancy Pelosi would be president. <laughs> that would be insane. That would be hilarious. Not only I, I think be- that would be the first time in American history, but that would be that would be insanely hilarious. I think it's. it's again, oh my god, they will blow up on the view. They would no lie. They would just be like confetti. Whoopi Goldberg confetti everywhere. <laughs> That's so tell like I that's another thing that I find like just so again th- you know when people say like no because he's further this and that he just threw Mike Pence under the bus like he doesn't he 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 that's why when people say like oh he's a racist he's a this I'm like no I don't think he's any of that I think he's just in it for number one and if he has to say X Y and Z to make sure that he keeps moving forward. He will. It's preservation. And, and, and it's again, not, I, I don't think he has. He's his own self. Like, he's his own, his own worst, enemy? worst enemy. Because, Mira, for example, this week he actually signed legislation, which I agree 100% on, which is for the government to increase, I think, to $1.8 billion or a really high number mm-hmm. uh, for autism. Oh, wow. Right? Nobody which heard the, about it. Nobody that is something it. great, you know, great for President Trump and his administration right. for doing that. Great, but nobody I'll hears be, about it. I'll be because... the first one to acknowledge it. You know, he signed the Criminal Reform Act, mm-hmm. which is something that I'm I, I'm very very like passionate about. That that should have been done administrations ago, whether from a Republican or a Democrat. He signed it. Again, good. I, I could commend him if he did something good or that I agree right. with, right? But the problem is that he's his worst own enemy. Yeah. Because this week, with todo the parada que estado diciendo, you know, and the media going crazy on this, that wasn't reported. Of course it's not reported because, you know, he could be possibly not. be impeached. Right. You know, right? And he's talking out of his ass, you know, now with China and all that stuff. So it's like those are the things that it's like... You're saying it wrong, by the way. What? It's China. 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 Oh my God, did you see him at SNL this week? I did. Okay, yeah, yeah, Baldwin's. No, 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 not the Baldwin. Not, not the debate. The debate. The Democratic debate thing. Okay, can we just stop and acknowledge Maya Rudolph as Kamala Harris? That was great. So So good. (laughs) It was so good. It's funny because I feel that in every, in every, presidential round you knew that she was naturally going to come in and do kamala oh i mean at some point just like you know when eta, eh, i see russia from my house eta, eh, fe, tina fey tina fey came in to do it um, eh, oh my god eh, eh. Oh, why can't we think of this woman's name <laughs> oh it's Palin, Sarah Palin. It's Sarah Palin. Sarah I was going to say Nancy Kerrigan. Sarah Palin. Um, it was like a natural. Like, of yeah. course it's going to be Sarah Palin. No, and the fact, I love that every time they do uh, Bernie Sanders. It's a people from Curb Enthusiasm. Well, he's not even an SNL cast member. No, he's not. But he comes in, he's Bernie Baldwin. Sanders. No, but 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 um, he, yeah, but Baldwin has like hosted SNL a lot. He has like a, a legacy with he, SNL. Has, he hasn't hosted at the depot. I can't remember his name right now. Larry Larry Ru- David David. I was say Larry, Larry Rudolph. Wait, who's Larry Rudolph? Britney Spears manager. Okay, I was like, I know that name very well. <laughs> Whoa, I got Britney on the brain. Oh shit. Okay. So Is it on your radar. Yeah. So I don't know. I don't know. Let's see where this stops by. 
I will say something um, related to this whole kerfuffle that's going on. Um, I don't know if you if you heard about this, and you probably did because you're much more informed and you watch the View. Um, Biden's camp basically came out and said that the news the news organizations should stop allowing Giuliani on until they also allow for equal time for someone from his camp to, mm-hmm. to talk about it. No, I don't know about that. Yeah, it was something... Oh, crap. Now see, now you're going to make me look it up. Right, but you know the problem with Giuliani, right? Well, here's the thing. So it was... So I don't disagree with the sentiment, but I agree with the way it was phrased. So actually, I took a screenshot of this. Did I not? Uh, no, I did not. I thought I did. Um, basically, what it comes down to is he was saying something to the effect of like, well... He should be banned. The, the I remember that the word used should be he should be banned from from these cable news shows until I can basically have somebody come on and do my you know rebuttal for me on my part. To which I say I'm all for equal time. I do agree with that, but they don't got to ban him. Just get your shit together and grab somebody and throw them on. I, I because would've... if tomorrow Biden says, "Hey, I've got." Darian Borges here to talk on my behalf. CNN, Fox News, everybody and their mothers. Yeah, we go the cabeza. Yeah, they're gonna be like, mic him up right I'll now. I'll be like, Dad, today you're watching CNN. Right. He's on Fox News. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it's not like you're so far down the totem pole of of pull that you can't just say. Well, this but is the my thing is that row. watching Giuliani in these shows is like great entertainment. Fair because enough. Because he's completely off the rails. I mean, oh, no. there is somebody. Wasn't he saying like, you're a moron, you're an idiot. Well, the, like, the problem with Giuliani, and this has happened more than once, and you could watch it on TV. You could, there, is, there is video footage of it. No, that, right? it didn't really happen. Giuliani will completely contradict himself within two sentences. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. No, this has happened several times. Like, <laughs> you know, was there somebody else in the conversation with him? No. And then he'll say something else. Yeah, because, you know, Mike Pompeo was there. Okay, but you just said there was nobody else <laughs> in there. And he goes, no, I didn't say that. But Mr. Giuliani, <laughs> you just said 30 seconds ago <laughs> that he was alone, that there was wow. nobody. No, 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 no. Like, it, he's done that several times. It's it's a train wreck. It's hilarious to watch. But I just don't, um, I, I'm just saying, I just don't, I, I think <laughs> I agree with the sentiment of equal time. But also the thing is that this is not a political campaign you know what i mean and he's and he's not a candidate so you don't have to i love how we're laughing at this and you know what's at stake our democracy but anyway whatever listen our people survived leaving a country once i'm sure we'll do it again i know (laughs) no 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 no. yeah no no no. we've already done it once we don't need to do it again listen the difference is we can go to canada we already know the language well, that is true. It'll be yeah, so much easier. Exactly. And I know French, so I don't, but I like poutine. Yeah. So that should get me and Celine Dion. Of course. And that's it. And she's a national treasure. Exactly. I mean, Celine Dion is a national treasure for us, and she's not even American. Imagine in Canada. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, but she's the best next thing. I mean, just think. Most of our favorite actors are Canadian anyway. Because I am the best singer in the world, and now. I'm going to sing to you the best song in the world. Whoever remembers that skit on SNL. <laughs> You're old. Uh, <laughs> well, that's not where I was going with that. but So what else you got there? So something I really wanted to talk about this week. Uh, because, well, first of all, it's been in the news everywhere. Okay. But I wanted to see how much you knew or didn't know about this. 
So the verdict came in this week on Amber Geyer, who is okay. I heard about this, but I don't know the too, cop. I don't know the details of the case. You know the details of the Not case really of the no. cop? Mm-hmm. Oh wow! Because I was really on the news everywhere. Um, so this is what happened about a year and a half ago, or some time ago. Mm-hmm. She had come in from a long day of work as a cop. She mm-hmm. was in her uniform, and she parked in the wrong. In the wrong floor of her parking building. Okay. And that set off a chain of, you know, horrible events. Because she parked, I believe, on the fourth floor. Uh And her her apartment and her parking space were on the third. Okay. So when she approached to what she thought was her apartment, Mm -hmm. she walked in, allegedly thinking it was her apartment. And she sees a man. This is starting to sound familiar. She sees a man sitting there, and she feared for her life, and she shot him dead. Because she's a cop, that's what they're trained to do. So this went to trial, and she was found guilty. She was given ten years. Now she was found. Gu- and again, I, I just want to understand the details of the case. Because so, she, was she found guilty of manslaughter? Yes. Okay. Voluntary. Okay. Um. So she she says. That she was really tired. Like, you know, now obviously when they did the investigation right, and all right. that. She says that she was really tired and that, um, a, you know, she was completely distracted. And also when this was happening, you know, because again, mm-hmm. um, through the investigation, they found that she was in the middle of like kind of a, a sexting <laughs> with her boyfriend or a lover or whomever. She was kind of sexting. So I could understand, yeah, that her vo- her head was not where it was Eso supposed to be. I jiggle. <laughs> that's, that's, that's not even where I was going with it, with that. But anyway, so she reaches the... She reaches to what she thinks is her apartment, okay. and she noticed that the door was ajar. The door was yeah, open. Yeah, I was going to say, I mean... The door was open. She didn't have a key. How did she get in? Okay. So she goes in. And then she sees a person there. And when she goes there. in, she sees a silhouette of a man. Got it. Right? And the man apparently said, hey, and she shot him dead. Okay. Now, the thing is that she went into the man's apartment. Right. She thought she was on the third floor, and he, but she really, she was on the fourth. Okay. Right? And... He was sitting in his sofa watching TV with a bowl of ice cream. So he wasn't even like approaching her. She says that she that he, you know, when she saw the like the silhouette of the man, she mm-hmm. said, "Put your hands up." And he apparently said, "Hey." And that's when she says that he, she feared for her life and shot him dead. Mm-hmm. But the forensics report shows that the way that the bullet entered his body, he was he was X feet away from her, which wouldn't have been eminent harm. And okay. that he was probably sitting down or at the very min- minimum standing up from being basically you know, just being like, what's lying up? down. Right, right, right. And also, you know, there were very big differences. Like his apartment had a red floor mat. Mm-hmm. Um, the door was open. Obviously the interior of the apartment was different. Like mm-hmm. how distracted was she? That she shot this man and killed him. Right. So that that was, was what was up for debate now. Now, I can tell you, and well, I think I've well, told you the story. I will. I, 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 one time, I was completely distracted, and I, I went into the wrong car, and there was somebody in the car. I had gone to pet supermarket, and I was completely distracted, and I opened the door. And I remember when I got the... 
you know, these instant thoughts. When I grab the door handle, You're I'm like, like, where's my... This feels different. Yeah. And I sit down, and there was a girl, and I go, hi. <laughs> and I go, bye. <laughs> it's funny, because that was like 10 years ago. Today, she would have either shot me or called the cops. <laughs> yeah, you would have been on, you would have been a YouTube sensation. Right. But I was like, oh, yeah. uh, okay. Um, so I could see in terms of when you're completely bueno, absent-minded. I'm going to take it a step further. I mean, as you know, I live in the same building as Jose. Mm-hmm. Our apartments are identical. Uh-huh. There are times where I'm in his apartment and I go to do things like if it's in my apartment. So again, I'm not defending her because I don't know enough of the circumstances. But I can understand that if you walk into a place that it's, you know, prestando atención and the layout is the same and everything, you know what I mean? Like, and you're just in autopilot. I can understand how it may take you a minute to realize you're not in your space. Yeah. Yeah. But here, like, the, what, what's complicated here is that, again, the man was sitting down allegedly no, no, no. and all that. I, I, that I'm, not, I'm not even talking about that part. I'm just talking about, like, in, like and, and the poor guy was eating ice cream watching TV in his house and he got shot. So, you know, there's a part of me that feels bad for her because if, in fact, she really was that absent-minded and this was an accident, there's a part of me that feels bad for her. But at the end of the day, she killed a completely innocent man, you know? Yeah, you Again, he was... Yeah. I mean... You can't get more innocent than ice cream he, on your he was sitting. He was having a bowl of ice cream watching TV in his house, right? right. right? Um, what was really compelling was that... She was given 10 years. Okay. And a lot of people were very upset about that. And there were protesters outside. Because obviously this became a racial thing. I she, don't she's a it... She's a blonde woman. Yeah. Um, and this was like a, a, a black man. I could see how it became that. I don't think that based on the circumstances that it was. Maybe it was. Maybe it wasn't. But it certainly did become a racial thing. And... Um, you know, there were people who were very upset with the uh, with the time that they gave her in terms of the incarceration. Mm-hmm. What was absolutely moving was um, her brother took the stand after she had been given the time, after she was found mm-hmm. guilty and given the 10 years. Because generally in these type of trials, the family can speak to... Yes. To you know, uh, the, witness something statement, right? The, well, the family statement. They could the speak statement. to yeah, the yeah. person being, well, in this case, found uh, guilty of, of murder. Um, and he said that he uh, this is he, the brother, of the brother the, of, the victim, of the victim that he forgave her, mm-hmm. that he hoped that she found God and she found Jesus, that um, he hopes that she has like a good life. And she asked, he asked the judge if he could hug her. Wow. And they hugged. And I just thought, you know, whether you're a religious person or not. If you're a religious person or not, I mean, this person obviously, because of his faith, right. he found that forgiving her was better than it was what he needed to do. Right. Carrying the burden mm-hmm. of hating her, even right. though she lost her brother. But uh, but I think that it's it's one of those cases that it's just it, it's it's a it's, bizarre case. It's a very know. bizarre. It's very, very bizarre. Because again, if it would have been a situation that he was like attacking her, even if it was in her apartment, and mm. she thought she was in her apartment, I could understand like the cop instinct, right? You know, in. but he wasn't, and she was in he she was she was in his house. Right. So you know, again, she is trained as a cop, to, and when she was on the stand, they asked her, "Did you shoot with the intent of killing him?" And she said, "Yes." So it wasn't that's like you know, I shot him in the foot. Yeah, that's the training that they receive. 
So it's just, it's been on the news everywhere. And one of the reasons I wanted to bring it up was not so much for the facts, but her, his brother's like how he took that. He took it with such grace. And, and I, I thought that was very telling, very moving. It was very, very moving because you don't see that now. You, you rarely see that, especially nowadays that everybody's now so divisive and, yeah. you know, I hate you and you did this because person you wins. hate me and, and, you know, and burn in hell. That, that man, you know, probably because of his faith was able to see past all that and see her as a human being that made a mistake. You know? I, I I will say this. And I've never said this on the on the show before, but I do feel this in my you know just in a day to day basis. I envy on some level people whose faith is that strong, mm-hmm. and who are able to just place their or their faith, you know, in in the hands of of a higher being, whether it be God or whatever you you call it. I don't know that I have that. I, I believe in a God, I be, you know, and all that, but I don't, I don't think that I have that conviction strong enough as some people out there. And I will say I, I respect, admire, and on some level, I'm a little jealous of people who can do that. It's funny that you say that because my, um, <clears throat> I have, a, actually, it's my godmother. She's, she's very religious. And, um. Oh, well, yeah. I don't hear godmother. And she, um. Her husband, uh, about two or three years ago, he died of cancer. And it was one of those situations that, like, he was gone mm-hmm. in six months. And, you know, obviously we were all very concerned about her mm-hmm. because, you know, her daughters have, you know, yeah, have their own lives or whatever. She was by herself. And she was so, like, I don't want to say stoic, but she was so, like. Accepting? Yes. She's like. I believe in God, I believe in the Lord, and this was what the Lord wanted, and I accept it. And we had, you know, 50 years of marriage, and that's more than I can ask for, and asking for more time would be selfish on my part. And I'm here like, oh my God, I'd be so mad. I'd be like throwing stuff, like what the, you know, like, ah, you know, like, and, and I'm like, wow, like, I admire your peace yeah that you could find peace in in in, 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 in so that. legitimately because she legitimately yeah. believes this so wow we took a <laughs> right a hard left <laughs> uh <laughs> welcome back to better let me tell you everybody <laughs> give me a give me a fun fun joke Middle friday uh-huh. two people walk into a bar bum <laughs> the third one ducks Let's have an Itachi. Oh, yeah, actually, you know it's funny now that we were talking about death. Um, a, a a friend of mine was sending me stuff now from I think the Only in Dade um, page mm-hmm. Instagram, and he was sending me one about like the shenanigans in the Walmart in Hialeah. So every day, and I was like Nino. I was like the Walmart in Hialeah. Do- it doesn't anymore, but at one point in time, it had a kiosk for Caballero Olon. It did because the the for those of you who don't know, Caballero Woodlawn is a funeral home, it's cemetery, cemetery, yeah. well, funeral cemetery home, cemetery, cemetery. Right, right. and because the the Walmart in Hialeah, this is the only Walmart Was it in the, right next to like the Red Box. Uh, it's <laughs> <laughs> okay. When I mean a kiosk, I mean it's like a little like a little store within okay, okay, got Walmart, it, got it, got within it. Like, Walmart, like the way they have those like McDonald's that are inside. Yes, okay, but the it. one in Hialeah, this is the only Walmart in the country. That I've seen it like this. Because generally Walmart, 
when it has like those little stores, it's like it's like in the towards the wall, like yeah. in the entrance, mm-hmm. like yeah, yeah. and all that stuff, right. of course. <laughs> but this one, the one in Hayali at this point, it was like in the middle of the store. Imagine there was like four little mini Oh, so like, like like a jewelry counter type. Yeah, exactly, thing. exactly. Okay, exactly. Yes, okay. but they were all. It was like a little mini mall. Like imagine like a like, little store within a store. Yes, and one of them forgot was for Cabello and I was like, wait. I was like, this was like six, seven years ago at the Hialeah uh, Walmart, the one by the Palmetto, yeah. and I'm like, wait, what? There came a point. Maybe I don't know. There came a point that. I, you know, because my office is in Hialeah. I'm not from Hialeah, people, <laughs> but my office is in Hialeah. Walmart You're really, Walmart really does have the cheapest prices. In it terms does. Of, I mean, it's in the terms most of, you know, economical. the great American brand. No, yeah, yeah. And this was especially true around the time that Tristan was born. You know, okay. I like that. I would buy like more groceries than ever. <laughs> You know, and it you know I was stocking up like multiple houses with like all this like groceries. Making sure everybody had the right right the right, 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 yeah, right. Yeah, everything yeah, yeah. was uniform. Yeah. So I'm like, okay, I'm gonna go to Walmart, mm. right? And I did it like two or three times, and I was like, I can't, like because. I can't. But at Walmart, especially the Walmart in Hialeah on a uh, on a weekend. Oh, but you would go on a weekend. Yeah, I would go on a weekend. Yeah. Ah, but that's your first mistake. Any, no, any Walmart on a no, weekend. No, because generally I would do like do something, maybe some light work on the office, mm-hmm. especially when Tristan was first born. That I, you know, I would be true, out of the office true, so much. True. I would go on Saturday and do maybe a little bit of Catch light up. work, yeah. and then go to Walmart. You know, around like eleven, twelve peak hours. Pero es and, que, and I was like, I was like, tú. I was like, okay, you know how you were singing "Radar" by Britney a uh-huh. second ago. Now we have to sing "Freak Show." <laughs> by I'd be like, pero de donde salen esta gente? Like, I work in Hialeah. I see the Hialeah folk. But where do these people come from? Bueno. But what I love, what I love, love, love about the Walmart in Hialeah is that, and this is the one that's by the Palmetto, okay. that there's a Walmart and then there's a Sergio's and a, like a tire kingdom okay. within the Walmart lot, right? When you cross the, uh, the Palmetto, yeah. you know, like four blocks away, you get to Target. And in Target, in the Target <laughs> lot, there's Target, a Lowe's, a Robex. Wait, what's a Robex? Robex is like, um, it's like a shake um, smoothie, like Smoothie King. Okay. But okay. it's like higher end okay. because it's like from California. Oh, the West Coast. Yes. Mm-hmm. There's answer. a Robex and an Applebee's. And you go into Walmart. Oh, okay. I know. Which one. Okay, yeah, yeah, and yeah, you yeah. go into Target and it's like, oh, welcome to Target. <laughs> it's like... You know, obviously, a we know there's, a, world. there's a, a difference between Target and Walmart. We know this. But it's more noticeable in Hialeah. Oh, my God. It's like, yeah. if you yeah. really want to see, like, the, the difference. The disparities. to the jungle of Walmart <coughs> and Hialeah, that you think any moment a rhino is going to come out in the middle of the oh, store. No. You know? And then you go to Target. <laughs> Not from the Hialeah. And then you go to Target. And, it, and I think it's so funny because the Target from Hialeah, Target is right now going through a rebranding of their stores. Their, yeah, their, they're, their they're remodeling all of them. The one yeah. in, Tar- in Hialeah was the first one to be remodeled. Really? Yes. So it's the first one. Oh, yeah. And there's a Lowe's, not a Home Depot, a Lowe's. Right, that's how you right? know you're in a fancy. And, so, and it's so funny because that little lot, like that block where oh. uh, it's that, you know. No, but it's, like it's, it's like, this is for like refined Hialeah. This, this is Miami Gardens. <laughs> Hialeah Gardens, Miami Lakes. I love it. Like, I love it. But yeah, no, no, no. I was like, no, no, I can't. I can't because I'm going to before I enter this Walmart. <laughs> 
never leave home without your passport. No, 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 no. You know, like when you go to like, what is it to like, I forget the countries you have to go to, you have to get your shots, like your measles, la rubiola, la papera, all that stuff. Like I felt that when I would go into that warm and I'm like, am I up to date with all my shots? Like that's something as an adult I've never really thought about. But you're thinking about it now. Not this Walmart. This Walmart has, has, Made me think these thoughts. I'm sure I could get tetanus somewhere in here. Oh, no, not a tetanol. The hop on my. No. But yes, they had a caballero woodlawn little kiosk. Uh, I, my, I'm at a loss for words. You could buy tires, you could buy Formula 409, strawberries, bananas, underwear, and your casket. As one does at the Walmart in Hialeah. Do you ever think that they did like maybe one of those, you know, those contests where you have like a garrito and just fill it up, but instead do it with a casket? Oh my god, supermarket sweet. Yes, yes, yes. Pero con el. Oh my god, that's so wrong. That's so uh, wrong. To our Hialeah listeners, do you remember the Caballero Woodlawn uh, kiosk in Hialeah? It was actually, green. And to our non Hialeah. Forest green. To our listeners, actually, who are outside of Hialeah, outside of Miami, let us know if you've seen something similar to Walmart where you're at. Because I, I, I can't imagine that that's a one off. There's got to be another another one well, somewhere. Well, in, in Michigan, they had the yeah, because sto- Co- because Costco sells N- sells caskets. Costco sells caskets. That I know. Mm-hmm. But it's Costco sells. Like they don't sublet a space for right. someone to come in. Wait, and do they have them at Costco? I believe so. Ay, pero la so de mal gusto. Solavaya. One off. You're already buying everything in bulk. <laughs> Oh my god. Well, you sucked all the fun out of Costco. <laughs> De verdad. That's, that's the one sample I don't want to try. Oh my god. No. They don't sell that at BJ's cuz I go to BJ's and No, it's it's Costco has it has has caskets. Well, I can't make that up. No, you can't make that shit up. No, no I was going to say in Michigan they have Myers, which is Yeah. Myers, I would say, is even like a step above Target. Myers is very nice, and a lot of the bigger Myers stores have like, like a little st- kind of strip mall, <laughs> like you know one I, of the ends of the the building, but nothing, nothing like. You know what, what Myers always reminds me of? For some reason, I equate it with a cómo se llama the the store in London that the Spice Girls were promoting. Harrods? No, not Harrods. Not Harrods. Tesco? Tesco. I always think that Myers... Every little, every little helps. I always think that Myers is like the U.S. version of Tesco's. Oh, my God. Speaking of the Spice Girls, okay. did you see... <laughs> always. If I would still be living downtown, do you know who my neighbor would be? David Beckham bought the penthouse to the te- uh, uh, 1000 Museum Park. The building, the, yeah, what other the, building? Sí, sí, que esta, esta mujer, uh, with yeah, design, yeah. yes. To Actually, building, it's, next, it's next to the building next to a friend? Two buildings line. down from us. Yeah, from, from where I was. He bought the penthouse. My timing was so off. Can you imagine? Can you imagine that you would have come to visit me and we would have just been walking there and we bump into a Spice Girl? Let me tell you something. And to David Beckham. If I wasn't with you and that happened, you figure out stall. I'll be like, time out. Stall. Oh, yeah, Zach Moore is that shit. Time out. Stall and figure it out and I will get there. Victoria, stay here. But just, just stay there. Just Freeze! Just point at that. Point at that. Point at that. Point Victoria. at that thing over point there. Point at. <laughs> oh. Oh. He bought it. Yeah, he would be. He would have been my neighbor. 
well, I still go to downtown fairly often because uh, a friend of mine lives in that building that's next door to it. So mm-hmm. maybe one day I'll send you a selfie with me and Bex. Then you better time <laughs> Zach Morris that well, shit. Well, that's what I'm doing. I'm holding him in a headlock so they can't leave. Mm. Speaking of Zach Morris, <laughs> what about? are you going to watch watch Mick, Mick-tish? Mick-tish? It's already started and I have it on my queue, but I haven't mm. gotten around to it. Well, I'm done with the opening credits. I know. I heard it. It's a cute song. Yeah. It's a cute song. Mariah Carey sings the opening credits. I heard it on Spotify. Oh, my God. I was on Spotify after not being on there for like two months. Everybody and their mother has released new music. Oh, yeah? Mira. Adam Lambert released an EP. Mm. BB Mac. Yeah, BB Mac is touring the U.S. Are they? Yes. Dale. Where? This you want, you need. Okay, so, I you know, know that was my the jam. US. You yes. love BB Mac. Hello, when a couple of months ago, like two months ago, or whenever, a month and a half ago, when my dad got surgery, uh-huh. okay, in his arm. So his surgery was like at, you know, one o'clock in the morning. It was super early. So there I was in the waiting room, in the, you know, like the family room Where? of the hospital. And I was like falling asleep, you know, because I'd have woken up at like three in the, the morning crack of dawn, yeah. to take my dad to the hospital. And I'm there like, and I'm looking at GMA. They're on Good Morning America. And I'm like, is that BB Mac? <laughs> Am I No, no, no. And you know what happened? They were singing back here. <laughs> so you thought. They started to sing back here. <laughs> like, I didn't tell you the story. No. Okay. I'm like, it's. You know, I like opened up my eyes because <laughs> listeners, I freaking loved BB Mac back when they came out. And that song back here, that was my jam. I love the ghost of you and me. That and Craig David, yes. <laughs> Seven Days, those were my early 2000 jams. They were. And, and right when they're about to start singing back here, the doctor comes in to tell me how my the operation went. And Damn I'm like, it. can you move? <laughs> And he was like, oh, your father did great and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, I'm like, muévete. You're like, just, just put a pin in that. They haven't been on GMA in a good 15 or years. I was like, stop faster. <laughs> this was an open heart surgery or anything. This, this, this is removal this of assist. Out, this is outpatient. This is outpatient. Talk faster, man. It's like, no, because you know, and I'm like, he was, to me, he was like, brah, brah. And I'm like, I, I'm not listening to you, and I can't listen to BB Mac. I'm like, <laughs> this is a lose lose situation. So later that day, I was like, I'm gonna find this damn performance, and they wouldn't put the performance on YouTube. They didn't put it. No, no. So they were like right there in front of me That's on the great. TV, and the doctor was like, "Whoa!" I'm like, right when they started, <laughs> to say, and I'm like, "Are you kidding me?" <laughs> But yes, ladies and gentlemen, BB Mac are back on tour. That's great. For those of you who remember BB Mac, this might be a great portion. We we might all be able to go together. If not, you're probably thinking, what What the hell are guys are talking about? about. (laughs) But yeah, I know. And so one of them was Mariah's, uh, the song, I forgot. Is it called? It's not. In the Mix. In the Mix, in the Mix, which is a theme song for Mixed Dish. It's cute. Yeah. It's a cute song. Yeah. I guess we should tell our listeners who don't know who BB Mac is who they are. So in the in the late nineties, early two thousands, when the whole boy band craze happened, there was a band called BB Mac, which was like the British answer to like in sync and like 98 degrees and all that but they were a little bit more legit no they were a little bit more legit because they were a band i would almost say that they were the they were almost a british for lack of a better comparison hansen yes but in that they played the instruments yes but they were a response to 
the boy band. Right, right. right. But the equivalent. Not, because they that. actually played their own Correct. instruments and they wrote their own songs. Right. So they were a little bit more, they had a little bit more musical cred right. than... Right. Um, than your boy band. Your right. Boy band. And me being the major Anglophile that I am, you know... And they're, and they're British, so, you know... I was like... I back here. I'm telling you that. See, if if a CD would be worn out, that, that song would that would probably be worn out. <laughs> because I must have listened to that song. I remember going to work every morning. Right. I would listen to that song like on repeat. Miss you, want you, and now I couldn't hear them on GMA. <laughs> damn the doctor. <laughs> oh, anyway, but you know who I don't want to damn? Who? This episode's guest. Oh, no. No, no, no. <laughs> so, for this episode, we talked with Alex uh, Sofondo, who is the creator of a website podcast. Uh, I, don't, I don't even know how to classify it, really, but it's called The Thousand Movie Project. Content. Content, yeah. Thousand Movie Project, in which he's taken it upon himself to watch all thousand movies you have to see before you die, based on... And I thought I was a movie buff. <laughs> based on a list. Um, I forget which edition of it. And he's not only watching these movies but he's writing about it he's podcasting about it he's vlogging about it and you know we're our big thing here is you know as you know we've talked with like major celebrities and smaller but something that we always like to spotlight here is people who are taking it upon themselves to create and to do something and to kind of achieve a goal so you know we talked with alex super nice guy really really chill um, about just this project and a couple other things just tossed in there because he's a Miami boy like we are. And so we hope you enjoy it. So here's our interview with the Alex from the There's Thousand There's a feeling movie. inside. <laughs> I want you to know you were the one and I can let you go. Here's the interview with Alex. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. And we're back, listeners. We are here with... Alex Sorondo of the Thousand Movie Project. So thank you for joining us, Alex. Thank you for having me. Thank you for being on Pero Let Me Tell You. Now, full disclosure, Alex and I have a friend in common, which is how this basically all started. We were at a party and, you know, I found out he was doing this project and that he was a good talker. So I thought, well, I've got a thing where people can only hear a voice. 
And he gave you his demo tape and ended up in Tommy Matola's car. No, no, other story. Wrong story. Wrong story. It was weird, though. I didn't remember getting into Tommy Matola's car, but (laughs) there we were. Me, him, Julio Iglesias, and we picked up the Leon rollerblades. It was... It was a magical experience. I heard. I heard that's how Goodbye Horses got onto Silence of the Lambs. Is um, the singer was a cab driver and he played it for the guy. I forget the name of the director, but he played. John he was Demi? like, maybe he died a few years ago. Yeah, Demi, yeah. yeah and he was, he was like, you want to hear my mixtape? And he played it, and Demi was like, I need you in my movie. See, that could have turned out horribly because that could have been like the creepiest thing ever. It was mixtape. It's, it's like, kind of like Buffalo Bill. Yeah, yeah. 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 So. All right, as we sit here, you know, chit-chatting away, having just eaten some delicious croquettes. Thank you, Swine Croquettes. Um, tell us a little bit about the project. It's, so it's Thousand Movie Project. I mean, it, that's a lot of movies, sir. Yeah, so there's a book that I think everyone has seen, whether they know it or not, because it's been on people's coffee tables for 20 years. It's called The Thousand One Movies You Must See Before You Die. And um, this particular edition, maybe all of them, is edited by a guy named Stephen J. Schneider. I think he's a movie just a producer. He's not so scholarly. He assembles a team of movie scholars and they make a list and they winnow it down. And um, yeah, so it's 1001 Movies. It starts in 1902. My particular version of the list culminates in 2013 with uh, Life of Pi. And so that's the last movie. That's the last the movie. And then Django right before it. Um, and I haven't seen Life of Pi, so it'll be nice that the last movie, the very last movie will be something new to me. And I started in 2016, August of 2016, and I'm just now rounding the 500 mark um, wow yeah so i just finished uh, like this 90 page proposal for the to make a book of it and if i can submit that like i've submitted it now to almost 20 agents so if i can get a book deal and some money so that i can sort of make it a full-time job mm-hmm. I, I could like propel through it like it won't take me another three years to get through 500 i could do it in a year and a half i think ideally if I, like if it was because if it was a full time job and i'm oh, spending oh, oh, okay, five okay, hours okay, okay. right i mean oh, okay. he averages two movies a day that's like a Six hundred. That's yeah. over seven hundred movies a year. Yeah, yeah I I'd get through the last half in a year yeah. if yeah. I if I treated it like a full time job. Um, okay. But what it, what ends up interve- intervening is the podcast, and also I write. Oh yeah, that's the other key is I write a response piece to each one, and now those are supplemented by just like a diary thing. Right. So like the the website chronicles my dating life, sex life, uh, familial concerns, professional, you know, just. Everything. And, and, and um, the book would compose of what? Like The book would be comprised of like the journey of going through the list and um, kind of how, I don't know, like I'm not interested in doing kind of like the Roger Ebert, just because I don't feel like I'm equipped with like the studies to write just straightforward criticism. All I can talk about is like what it's like to be a 20-something going through these movies, living my life at the same time, and how the movies seem to converse with what I'm going through. And then right. also... It, and there's all these ambiguities about like what motivated the people to make this list to comprise the list of these titles like are you when you're trying okay a thousand one movies you must see before you die is that because you're trying to tell the story of Hollywood are you trying to tell the story of technology are you trying to tell the story of the most the most formative figures in Hollywood but then I'm like because who's who's like oh Charlton Heston like I'm I'm in 1970 now and Charlton Heston has been in like three movies in the, 1970? Yeah, up to 1970. Like, well, on the list. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Ben-Hur, Ten, Ten Commandments, Commandments, Planet of the Apes. Yeah. And that's it. And it's like, he was a huge dude. Right. Surely he was in more movies than this. Greta Garbo was only on there three times. Cary Grant is on there nonstop. Um, maybe he's in Life of Pi. We don't know. <laughs> maybe Charlton Heston is in Life of Pi, shooting the tiger. Um, but... Yeah, so that's that's the project, is just watching all these movies. Um, I've got sort of a burgeoning podcast about it. And Same writing name? a piece. Yes, Thousand Movie Project Podcast, thousandmovieproject.com, and the book ideally will be called Thousand Movie Project. So I, I think what most people are wondering right now is why? 
Yeah. Like, why? Good... Like, at what point, you know, do, do you say to yourself, okay, this is this is the commitment that I'm going to make, that I am going to see this through, I'm going to, you know, watch all these thousand movies, and I'm going to write about it, and I'm going to, like, I'm sure you probably didn't think how big of a part of your life it was going to be when you started out. Yeah. You, you couldn't have foreseen that, but, but what made you say, like, all right, this is what I'm going to dedicate the next six years of my life or however long. Um, I'm obsessed <clears throat> with absurd projects, like st- sort of crazy endurance things, like people who want to walk across the world or walk across America in 40 days or something like that. Um, so that was part of it. I love the idea of big, sprawling projects. And when I got out of college, when I was so like book and movie hungry and so crazy about it, it was so passionate and it was my life, I was like, God, I would hate for this to be dulled out of me by just, you know, whatever. And also I was like, okay, no more teachers. So if there's no one around to hold my hand through stuff like American history, right. how am I going to learn it? And so going through these movies starting in 1902, um, you kind of, if you're tracking these movies chronologically, you automatically, just by osmosis, you start picking up American history and world history uh, because it's all reflected in the movies. Like the sudden, during the McCarthy era in the 50s, mm-hmm. like everything was about suspicion and insurgency and betrayal so there I, there were a lot of reasons i think something of a life crisis because i'd written like two novels and submitted them to agents and like they just did not it wasn't working and i wasn't getting i got a little bit of feedback i think you guys probably can imagine what that's like most agents once upon a time the the great odium was getting a form letter with like maybe a handwritten note in the margin yeah. now the majority of houses well agent agencies say if we haven't responded in six weeks you're supposed to interpret our silence as a rejection there's this thing of like you work and you work and you work and you put these things out there and it's just met with silence perpetual silence and so many artists talk about this so when you're taking on this venture and and i've it's funny i i love that you're we're talking about this you know thousand movies because in now the age of streaming i wanted to take tackle similar you know similar things like that like for example when i was a kid i remember dallas was a really big show right in the 80s and it was a phenomenon and all of dallas is on netflix netflix or amazon or whatever and dallas ran from like 1977 through like 1991 for like 14 seasons and each season has like 24 to 26 episodes and each episode is an hour and i'm like how can i commit to this is going to take me years to watch this but i never have so again a thousand movies when did you say okay i'm taking this on and what i really want to know the reason is why you took it on Okay, yeah, the full disclosure thing is, like I said, I had written these two books and they were not working out. I was not getting attention. And I was, and I had all these, this palimpsest, these layers of anxieties about, like, how am I going to educate myself without a professor holding my hand and walking me through the difficult stuff, whatever. And um, I was like, this is going to be a sprawling education, whatever. And also, there was an Ask Me Anything on Reddit with a guy who had watched all these movies. It took him 11 years. And someone said to him, are you going to write a book about it? And he's like, nah, I'm not going to write a book. And that same guy said, and he got a lot of upvotes. He said, I wouldn't want to watch all these movies, but I would love to read a book by the shithead who did. And I was like, I can be that shithead for everyone. <laughs> and because I can't get into, into publishing through the front door by just writing a good book, right. if I can make enough of an imbecile of myself where people are, in, are intrigued and I can build a platform, a social media platform, because that is the first thing that they ask you about. What's your platform? Oh, yeah. And um, familiar. so if I can get in, it's me, it's me trying to find a sort of, an unsupervised window by which I can sort of smuggle myself into the publishing world, into sort of the castle of, of publishing. The book was always in mind, and I was like, this is me getting my foot in the door. 
but it had all these other things. I'm massive cinephile growing up, particularly with horror movies. And you bring up an interesting point with streaming. What's interesting about the Thousand Movie Project is like this could not have been done before the age of streaming. Like there's a movie from 1923 or four called The Crowd. It's a silent movie. It's by a guy named King Vidor. Martin Scorsese listed it as one of his favorites, whatever. It's there on the list. I go to look it up, never on DVD, never on VHS, never on Laserdisc. And I was like, what the fuck? Where, did, where do I get this? I had to get it bootlegged, like burned onto a disc from the UK and sent over for like 35 bucks. And then like, you know, what is it? Angels with Dirty Faces with James Cagney is a gangster movie, a really good one. And it's really famous. It's like it's ridiculously hard to find. Or it is was, it, really? it was two years ago. I had to get a, I had to get the VHS from the Miami Dade Public Library Connections branch, which is not an actual library branch. It's like a warehouse where they store the shit that nobody wants, oh. um, but they're 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 not quite. They're still on the fence about getting rid of. So uh, there was another movie called The Bitter Tea of General Yen. I had to order a VHS. There's a movie. The, oh my god! There's so many movies that are just freakishly difficult to find, and the most recent one. It's called The Cool World from like 1959 or 61. And it's about sort of black teenagers in New York City at the end of the 50s, beginning of the 60s, dealing with it was about the cyclicality of gang violence. And um, it was taking one of kind of the radical first sympathetic position about heroin addiction and um, how it's sort of a systemic thing. It's not just the person who was too weak willed to discipline himself. And, you know, and I would just Google that habitually, it was never released on DVD could not find it anywhere, not streaming anywhere. So every week or two, I would just Google it. And one day I was at Passion del Cielo. I just happened to Google it because I was I had lost focus. It was on YouTube. Someone had posted it like two days prior. Dropped what I was doing and I watched the whole thing because you never know when it's going to be right. taken down again. And there have been a few movies on the list that are like that. So what, whenever I've seen these lists, what I'm always curious about is are these movies, from what you've found, especially since you, you're, you've watched over half of them and, and you know the list... Are these movies that were compiled that were critically acclaimed groundbreaking movies for their time? Or is it a combination of that and maybe movies that were culturally or significant for their time and, you know, you learn something from? How is the combination of, like, the type of movies that are put into the list? How, how, is that, how, how did that come together? It's an interesting blend of that. Yeah, there are some, like, for example, what I've been puzzling about a lot, and, I, like, this is something that gets a lot of blowback is the Hitchcock thing. There, I'm up to, I'm just, yeah, like you said, just a little past 500, and there's been like 13 or 14 Hitchcock movies on the list. Nobody else has 13 or 14, not even the actors. And I'm wondering, some of these movies don't really ring my bell, and part of me is inclined to think, okay, it's a different time, whatever, right. where my generation is accustomed to a different kind of pacing, whatever. But I also wonder, like, how many of these movies are built, how many of these Hitchcock movies are floated by his personal brand. And what's interesting is if you like go on Google and you look up images on eBay or whatever of home video releases of Hitchcock movies, the overwhelming majority of them don't even have poster art on it. It's Hitchcock's face. Mm -hmm. That's yeah. what sells it. His silhouette. Yes. And so I wonder is like, some of them are obviously masterpieces. Psycho, The Birds, North by Northwest. You have to see that shit. But like The Lady Vanishes, that would not be on the list if it wasn't made by Hitchcock. But do you think it's, I mean, I've never seen that movie, but maybe it's because it sets up certain tropes that have become standard for movies. Well, that's the thing. I was wondering about that, but I think it's because the makers of the list realize Hitchcock is one of the most formative personalities in the history of cinema. And they're like, you have to see the trajectory, the curvature of his interests and his development. So I think that like the fact that there are, I think in total, like 17 or 18 Hitchcock movies, it's not that every one of those movies is worthwhile. It's that they're fleshing out the man 
and the artist is what's considered important and the influence that he had. Because then once you get into the 70s and 80s, it's De Palma, it's Scorsese, it's all these people talking about vertigo and how Psycho fucked them up and how the birds shaped their way of thinking, whatever. So they don't say it outright, but it's kind of like, okay, this is, this is going to be a difficult two or in the case of Le Vampires from 1915, difficult 10 hours. But you need to watch it because this sets the stage for what? It's 10 hours? It's ten, it was a serial. Who directed Andy Warhol? Ah, oh my God, Vinyl was on the list. Have you seen Vinyl? No. It's a clock. His adaptation of a Clockwork Orange. It's a character. It's a camera in one place, and a young guy standing in front of it, like I hate the man. Down with him. That like that awkward. Well, have you seen Empire? That's what no. I was thinking about. What the show? No, no, no. no. Uh, with, by Andy Warhol. No. Empire is, is that... he put the camera on a tripod and he filmed the Empire State Building for twenty four hours or something. For twenty four hours, yeah. That's in the Library of Congress for as culturally significant. I went to FIU, and someone scrawled on the floor of FIU at a building, and no one took it off. It's a, it's a quote by Andy Warhol saying, art is what you can get away with. And it's like, yeah, that's what a criminal says. Yeah. Well, he's right. <laughs> yeah. I mean, some of it is interesting because there's the historical component. You're like, okay, this is capturing a milieu. This is capturing a cultural mindset. This is what the 60s were about. It was right. fuck the system. Let's go our own way. Um, I mean, up until the 50s, like a married couple still had to be in two separate beds on screen. Hitchcock blew people's minds because he flushed a toilet in Psycho. Um, is there anything that you've seen, you've come across that has surprised you? I remember I saw this movie one time. I don't know if it's on the list called Freaks, and I believe it's yeah. from 1932. Yes. I love that movie. And, you know, it's interesting. What I found interesting from a modern perspective is to see back then in the 30s what they thought was freaky or pushing the envelope or, you know, um, obscene, I guess, if you will. Have you have you found that, especially in the earlier films? Because I know that list goes back to like 1902 or 1903. Yeah, yeah. Um, there is some stuff where you're like, wow, I didn't know they got this dark. But then the Hays Code didn't crack down until I think 1931. What's the Hays Code? That was a super the super censorship thing that was like that's the the thing the note the kind of notes they gave back to Charlie Chaplin with his movie Modern Times was um, there are cow udders in this movie and that's salacious. You got to take it out. That's the reason married couples sleep in separate beds. Um, that's the reason there's a certain number of seconds for which a kiss can be endured on screen. Um, the Hayes Code is kind of what changed things in the 30s. And um, like Howard Hawks making in the same year, 32, he made Scarface. Hayes Code made him add the subtitle The Shame of a Nation. And so, and they, they made him reshoot and reshoot. Like they made, Tony has to die a coward's death, they said. So he has to get shot in the back while begging for mercy from the police, as opposed to the the Tony Montana death scene that right, we all know. Right, right, right. Um, that's kind of what, when you watch 1932 version, you're like, oh, as that climax is building up, you're like, oh, he's going to go out like Tony Montana. But no, Tony Camonte begs for his life and has to get shot in the back by the cops. So yeah, there are some sh shocking things like Freaks. And what's beautiful about Freaks is it's so miscategorized as a horror movie. It's basically a family drama. It's about, especially if you watch it like today, it's that beautiful idea of like, these are, quote, no, they don't call themselves freaks. The director doesn't call them freaks. They're being called freaks by a woman, a beautiful woman in their troupe, whatever you call it, right. who is trying to marry um, the dwarf character. I forget his name. Anyway, I forget his name, but she's trying to marry him for his fortune. And she says, oh, these freaks, these freaks. Um, so the director doesn't call them freaks. They don't call themselves freaks. They are people who were disowned by society, and they chose their own family. They came together... like. It's so tw it's so 2019. It's the best part of that movie is at the end when you know. I mean, I guess I could say the ending. It's 
the movie no, is you, no. years old. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, I mean, spoiler alert, I guess, um, when they, they fuck her up. And quite frankly, I don't care what everybody says. She looks like Melissa Joan Hart at the end. Does she? A chicken? Melissa when Joan she, Hart. She, oh she's my got that God. wonky eye thing going yeah. at the end when they when they mutate her or whatever they right. do her. And I remember thinking, like, they turned her into Sabrina, the teenage witch. You, like, how about, how about was... something, because this is like the gold standard, I guess, of something like Metropolis. Uh, that must be on the list yeah, as well. Yeah, it's up there. Uh, as a moviegoer, how do you rate something like Metropolis? Because I find that, and I consider myself a, bo- a movie buff, some of these movies I, I've taken on to watch because I feel that as a movie buff, like I should see these, see these movies, but I find that they're kind of hard to watch. And I felt Metropolis was one of those. It isn't, unless... It is like the 30th silent movie you've seen in a row. And you're like, oh, thank God. Something's happening. Um, that influences it. And the version that I saw, I don't know if you, if this was the one that you tried to struggle through. Um, apparently, like, I think 2004, in Argentina, in a wet box somewhere, they found 20 missing minutes of footage from really? Metropolis. And they restored it. So, I mean, that 20 minutes of footage is a little wonkier and fuzzier. It is a beautiful movie. It's a wonderful movie. But, yeah, a lot of them... And not even just the old silence shit, especially like the three-hour silence stuff is super intimidating. But I was thinking even going into like Gone with the Wind, which I'd never seen. It's four hours long, this huge cultural monument. Um, what, I was about to say Game of Thrones. Uh, it's the cultural equivalent. Um, by, don't, don't say Game of Thrones. It's not going to end well for us. <laughs> no, Moses. Still not over. Ten, Ten Commandments. Ten Commandments. Like it's a, it's a massive movie, both in terms of scope and runtime, and I approach it thinking like, oh my god, this is going to go over my head, and then you watch it, and you understand it, and it rings your emotional bells, but I still have, maybe it's just an anxiety thing, I'm like, did I get this? Can I talk about this? Am I equipped to talk about this? And then, something I have to remind myself is, do you remember Girl with the Dragon Tattoo, the mm-hmm. book? I, I hated that book. I loved it, but I tried reading it three times the first chapter, I was younger, and the first chapter kept intimidating me because the first chapter is a bunch of financial speak and yeah, whatever. Yeah, yeah. Super intimidating. And I was like, I'm too fucking stupid. And like the whole world is reading this book and loving it. And I'm an English major. I'm an idiot. And I was beating myself up. And then I forced myself through that difficult first chapter and I read the rest Just in like three days. Through. Yeah. And then after that, it's phenomenally propulsive. But what I realized is you don't attract the attention of 10 million people by being difficult. So movies that are really famous they're probably not hard to wrap your head around. I feel this especially with Japanese movies because Japanese movies are very much, there are all these nuances about status and shit. So like there will be a scene, and I'm thinking for example of uh, Story of the Last Chrysanthemums. So a woman will come into a room, there's a man sitting on the floor. A woman comes into a room and she sits down and he takes off his hat and she pours her some tea and he hastily puts his hat back on and she scowls and she walks out, end of scene. And I'm like, something happened here. That went over my head. I did not catch everything. It's, that ha- it's me. I don't know what's yes, happening. Yes, yeah. in that case, right. it's me. And certainly that's happening in the 30s. Like, certainly with the Marx Brothers, for instance, they're making... I, I found this out in the DVD commentary because I screened one in South Miami for, for the public. And there's a joke about, like, quintuplets or something. And it was a reference to a famous case of quintuplets in Canada mm-hmm. at the time, which, of course, everyone has forgotten. Just like 50 years from now, no one's going to understand the Octomom exactly. yeah. jokes yeah. That, that were in so many movies in the early 2000s. There, there are just some things when you're dealing with historical artifacts, you have to just give it the time of day, give it the benefit of the doubt, and just trust that you're an intelligent person. Like, this did not get super famous by being forbiddingly difficult. Right. That, there's a reason people know about it. Yes. And there's a reason why Ten Commandments is still on every, what? Holiday? Now, Easter? Yes. Yeah. Now, you, you, you're watching them chronologically? Yeah. 
There are sometimes where it's disrupted, like if, for instance, the movie I was telling you about the crowd that I had to order from the UK, I had to order a bootleg. It was going to take two and a half weeks to get here. I'm not going to constipate my progress yeah. just because I'm waiting for this movie to get here. Yeah. So every now, I try to keep it within a, and it's gotten especially difficult in the 1960s when um, cameras became domestic things. And now everyone was making movies. And there was the New York Underground. So there's a lot of these 10, 15-minute experimental movies which are super hard to find. And I can't hold up my list while looking for them. So it, it is frustrating when sometimes I can't find a movie from 1953. Here I am watching movies in 1967 a year later, and I have to go back and watch it because I just found this movie because it just uploaded on YouTube for like four days. I'm glad you mentioned the 60s because, because you're watching it chronologically, I wonder... From that perspective, when you are watching these enormous epic movies from the 70s, these David Lean, you know, monster movies, Cleopatra, Dr. Zhivago, The Ten Commandments, you know, that whole era, Ben-Hur, I mean, these are like four-hour movies yeah. with like enormous sets. And then we kind of like take 10 steps backwards in the 70s, you know, everything became That's more like, rudimentary. Yeah, yeah it's a good observation. I, I, I imagine, like, from your perspective that you're doing, the how that must affect you in terms shift. of... The, the, there is know, some your, whiplash, and it, and, it, and it comes in a lot of ways because not only that, like five easy pieces, there's a bunch of breasts in there, bare breasts, and it's like, when did this happen? And then in, in Bonnie and Clyde, um, uh, Faye Dunaway and, I'm forgetting his name, Warren Beatty. Warren Beatty, they're making out on bed, and she starts inching down to give him a blowjob, and she ends up not doing it because the whole thing is he's impotent throughout the, throughout yeah. the movie, but... Like the suggestion of it, and it's weird because like here I am in 2019, no stranger to Pornhub, but like I, <laughs> I see Faye Dunaway inching her way down the bed, and I recoil, and I was like, what? Clutching my pearls and shit, just because, in going through the movie chronologically, your sensibility is relegated to the sensibility of those generations as they were going forward, <clears throat> and one of the great great feats of sort of directors creativity is that they had to find ways around the sensor like i don't know if you've had this experience excuse me for ranting but um listen this is this is an audio <laughs> podcast we, we, we need people who talk otherwise it doesn't work it's well, not visual I, a couple of years ago i don't think it's still on there um oh it was when i was working at cheesecake factory i would find like i would come home and i would want to watch movies off the list but i was so zapped i wanted like infantile pleasures i wanted something colorful and loud and so i would watch family guy on Netflix and it was uncensored and I was watching an episode of Family Guy and Stewie says cunt and I was like what and I clutched my pearls and and I was like also just it made the entire episode not funny because what was always so funny about Family Guy is how they suggested tremendous vulgarity in such right. a way that if a kid was watching it next to you he wouldn't get it right. and it felt like there was a, a little I it's it was a it, it's a it's a dirtier version of what you feel watching a, like Shrek the sex yeah, jokes yeah. and that that are intended for the adult sitting beside the child to whom it's targeted. So something else, I I mean, I, I love this topic because I love movies. Um, yeah, I hope you have nothing else planned. You're going to be here for the next 18 hours. <laughs> so, well, the thousands, <laughs> yeah. So, so how would you up. say? How would you say actresses or well, actors hold up? I see movies now of like the greats, Joan Crawford, Betty Davis, so on and so forth. And I see them, obviously, from 2019 eyes or from modern eyes. And I think they're so, like, overdramatic and overacted. It's like... What I'm, do you mean? It's, it's, like, it's like, I'm watching Raven Simone on that. Uh, that's so Raven, you know? But these are considered, like, the monster actresses of their times. Like, among the great actresses. 
do you agree or disagree with that notion? Do you think that that's just what was in at that time? Do you do you think it was just the roles? Did they overact? Because I see them and I'm like, wow, Joan Crawford, like nothing was subtle. <laughs> like yeah. everything. Well, I mean, was... We also mummy dearest. Nothing was subtle in that woman's life. <laughs> no, but yeah. I mean, all those actresses from yeah. from the you know that era. And I think what you're referring to, if you were to boil it down to one nugget that they all shared, is they started out in the silent era where they didn't have their voices as an instrument. So they had to, they're, they're, they had these serpentine eyebrows that they coached over so many yeah. years. Yeah. And they had to express with, you know, their shoulders and their neck and, you know, the, the forearm thrown over the forehead um, to indicate grief. As opposed to a modern actress would just put a little trembling nuance in her voice and communicate, uh, you know, a thousand words. With people of that school, from the generation you're talking about, they had to do something with their eyes. They had to do something with their, you know, they had to toss their hair a certain way. Um, so I think that's what the overacting is about. And what's interesting is like when you look at this at the life of Judy Garland, which is one that I, I didn't look that much into, but she she hypnotized me because, oh my God, there's a super. I think it's a heteronormative thing that like every time a, a musical comes up on the list, I'm like, I'm gonna fucking hate this, and then I'm like tear smeared at the end of it, and like why why, why you guys hate on musicals, yo? No, but that's the thing. I end up loving them except for Gene Kelly. I don't like anything by Gene Kelly because it's so indulgent. There's always like the 19 minute ballet melodramatic. Even, even Xanadu. I've not seen Xanadu. It didn't make the list. Well, then clearly <laughs> I have to write my own list. <laughs> well, Judy Garland is fascinating, especially in A Star is Born from 1956, the George Cougar one. And what's great about it is, like, I heard this, I don't know if it's true, but apparently when, um, what's her name? The woman who married the prince. Grace Kelly. Grace Kelly. Grace Kelly won Best Actress that year. And apparently Judy Garland called her drunk late at night and she was like you bitch this was my last year I could have gotten it how dare you and what's so beautiful about A Star is Born apart from the fact that it's just a wonderful movie is that was the second that's the second remake right? yeah so what's beautiful about it is like you see her she's getting older her voice has deepened from Meet Me in St. Louis and Wizard of Oz she can't hit certain notes but like that famous scene of her in the nightclub you see the pipes bulging. You see her changing colors. You see her reaching the absolute capac lung capacity. She's, you see the actress fighting with her own limitations because she's really giving it absolutely everything. And what's interesting is like I read a bunch about the movie and about the making of it. And um, this was also giving way into the Rock Hudson generation. And then when he died of AIDS, it was cons like it was so shocking because he was a man's man, whatever. Mm -hmm. And so yeah, that's what, what I heard. He was a man's man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah that's why. <laughs> well, what's what's interesting is like you hear about how did gay culture manifest in Hollywood at the time, and they said like for example George Cougar would throw these parties, and it was just kind of known what was going on. Mm -hmm. And they said another thing is like there would be a party, and Judy Garland would come in, and people wouldn't really talk to her, but as soon as she sat down. A bunch of very nervous men would emerge from the crowd and they would come and they would kneel beside her and they would say, Judy, you're wonderful, you know. Um, so it's, it's interesting how the women that you're talking about, they became these seminal figures, particularly in gay culture, I'm finding. And when you look at, for example, Scorpio Rising, which is a super homoerotic short film from the early 60s, um, when you look at the influences of movies like that, these women come up again and again. And I don't know what, what that is necessarily. Um, but I yeah, they're very I, iconic. I can speak to that. What do you think? It's, um, I mean, it has the token homo. Um, <laughs> it has to do with the fact that these women were portraying a certain degree of strength and femininity that most gay men identified with just the duality of it because they were constantly trying to oh. project a certain image to the public so they wouldn't be found out 
but underneath it was, you know, there, there, there was a, a femininity, if you will. Oh my God, that's an amazing interpretation. Way. And yeah, that is what they are all known for. The woman we're talking about is the their toughest nails, twelve drinking twelve o'clock tails, and, and whatever. I need to watch more of these movies. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, Betty Davis is known as being a hard ass, but also yeah. yeah, you're right, super feminine. And same thing with Joan Crawford and uh, who is oh Judy Garland. Yeah. 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 Um, do you have any interest in that Renee Zellweger? Biopic that's yeah. coming out. I do for probably all the weirder reasons, uh, such as well. Number one, I'm not a huge Judy Garland fan. I know Calypso Pearls girls, um, but I I can appreciate Judy Garland. But then there's also something about Renee Zellweger having been gone for so long. Yeah, no, and I like Renee Zellweger. And coming, no, no, I like her, but I'm saying that she, her absence. She, was, she right, she was gone for such a long time, and this is such a a big project, you know, because it's not like she came back and she's just gonna. I'll just do a rom-com. Or I'm going to play the mom in a teen movie. Or well, she kind of did, but... though. She did that thing on Netflix. No, but but what? even that. But even, oh, I didn't know that. Um, she did like a... It was a series called yeah. What If. But even that, she's playing, I mean, essentially a camptacular character. Like, she's playing this over-the-top villain. She's the only interesting thing about that show, by the way. Because everybody else is playing it, like, straight. And she's like, yeah, no, this is essentially a John Waters uh, <laughs> TV show. So she's like... 20 leagues over the top. Okay, but it's intentional, you think? It's not... Like, she's... Oh, I think she's the only one that gets what, what okay. she's reading. Okay. You know, everybody else is trying to play it like... Does that get renewed or something? I don't think so, but it was an anthology. I, and I was wondering, I was loving your episode about the woke checking of Friends, and I wonder how these how these movies would endure. Uh, That's because a question. Roger Ebert points out in his... Um, and his review of Gone with the Wind, that if Vivian Lee had not been kind of slapped down and crushed and destroyed at the end of that movie, it would not have been received well by audiences because the authorial voice needed to punish her for having a sex drive. And I wonder if... Oh, Gone with the Wind? Yeah. So I wonder how that would fare if, if you got a bunch of millennials you to know, watch it. That's a good question because you brought it up and we've talked about it, God knows, a couple of times. Obviously, we think everything has to be taken within the context of when it was created. Do you find watching these movies with modern sensibilities where you, you kind of find yourself going, ooh, you know, kind of cringing or, or saying that wouldn't happen nowadays? Or do you find that because you're putting yourself in this chronological headspace, you're forgetting that and you're just kind of going with the times, quote unquote? Well, and yeah, you can't shake it. Um, yeah, the, like you say, I do every now and then freak out of like, oh my God, Faye Dunaway might perform oral sex. There's been no mention of oral sex. There's. Right once there's like a Groucho Marx joke where some guy has 16 kids and he's, and the guy says, oh, I love my wife. And Marx says, yeah, I love my cigar. I take it out of my mouth once in a while. Um, you know, they knew about it. They were making remarks. But yeah, you like, for example, there's a movie um, by D.W. Griffith, you know, cinema's racist grandfather who made Birth of a Nation. Okay, Shortly yeah. after that, he made a movie called uh, it's wonderful. It's a really good movie. It's called um, Broken Blossom. The subtitle is The Yellow Man and the Girl. Oh and there's a Chinese protagonist who's played by a white actor who is slunched, slouched over, and squinting. So it's proto Mickey Rooney. Proto Mickey. Oh my God! Yes, <laughs> Breakfast at Tiffany's yeah. was shocking. <laughs> but but I think those are oh, right. But I think those are instances that in modern times we can look back and say, yeah, that that was that was wrong. Yeah. So, on so many levels. But how was it okay back then? I guess is my question. Maybe maybe you. Having watched all these movies chronologically, have a, are in a better place to answer that because, again, I know I'm looking at it with it's not it's not right to hindsight and judge, but you know at what point did they say like eh, it's okay if somebody if a white guy plays the Asian guy just tape his eyes back we'll call it a day like yeah I mean I think they just didn't see them as people that sounds like it was soup I don't mean to say like they thought that they were vermin or anything I think they just didn't like I'm telling you in watching Japanese movies 
there is this feeling of remove of like, what is going on? It's such a complicated culture. And if you want to understand a complicated culture, you have to give it the time of day. But that means you have to surrender the time to understand it. And it's taxing. And a lot of people weren't willing to do that. And I don't think they had much incentive to think that it was, um, the world was just a much smaller place. That's true too. We forget Mm -hmm. that. Do you, did you like Gone with the Wind? I did. I love Gone with the Wind. And it's weird, you know, I just saw Rambo 5 the other night. And (laughs) very similar. Yeah, very, they have a lot similar, in common. I think I think Vivian Lee was better in Rambo, but <laughs> she. So I'm watching it, and I was I was drunk. We got my colleague and I uh, each had two shots of Jameson before the movie. We're watching it, and we're laughing, and and we're whooping, and whatever. It's a great time. I get out of it, and I start reading think pieces the next morning about its inherent racism. There's some sexism there, but when I was wa- and I, so I'm remiss to say that I really enjoyed it because it's like how could I enjoy this. Thing that is has like, these flaws is freighted with all these yeah negative things but i cannot deny when i was drunk in that theater i was loving it i was having a great time um so yeah sometimes you do enjoy things and you're like am i allowed to it's a weird 2019 ish or just modern question of like am i allowed to enjoy this as much as i do um is dr shivago on the list yes i just oh. watched it the other day Really? Didn't you, didn't you tell me you aged watching that movie? The, because the first time I watched Doc, okay, the first time I watched Doctor Zhivago, I was probably like eighteen, and I went to Blockbuster. I rented it on VHS, and it was four VHS tapes. What? You're for coach. Okay. Well, you're talking about these sprawling projects. Is that part of what titillated you? Yes, because I knew that it was this huge epic film, right. and I've always, I've always been slightly kind of obsessed with um, Russian culture. Okay. You know, and literature and from an early age. And I would always see this mammoth movie in Blockbuster. I'm like, you know, I'm going to watch it. And I love the movie. It's one of my favorite, favorite movies. But I understand that it's not for everyone because yeah. it's pretty much three and a half hours. The movie's about four hours and three and a half of those hours is in the Russian winter. So, yes. And it's very slow moving. It, there's really not that much action. But I just, I absolutely love it. And just think, they turned that into a Broadway musical. What? <laughs> yeah. How long is the musical? I think it's still playing. Um, it, <laughs> the, the first show is the still on show is still playing. Yeah, it's still on opening day. Um, no, it, it didn't last very long. But it's funny because I would pass by, I was living in New York at the time, and I would pass by and I always think of, of you mm-hmm. because I always think of him being like, that movie just went on and on and on. And I aged like five years watching, watching that movie. It, and so yeah. all I could think of was like, how long are these people sitting in that theater? And he's like, it's all just snow, just snow yeah. for like hours on end. I'm like, how do you even remotely make that interesting in live theater? I guess they didn't because it didn't last very yeah. long. So. But kudos to making the effort. Yeah. I, I, I dug Zhivago. I thought it was a little too long. Um, I think it's the best performance of, oh my God, what's his name? Alec Guinness mm-hmm. on the list. Um, he did a lot of wonderful comedies in the 50s called the Ealing Comedy. They're uh, from Ealing Studios in uh, the UK. But I was doubly I was doubly intimidated by that. Well, triply. Because one, it's a sp- I don't like period pieces, just generally speaking, if I can say that in a sweeping way. I, don't, I, I, I am not a fan of three-and-a-half-hour movies. And also, David Lean so killed my boner with Lawrence of Arabia. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God, yeah, I hated that I movie. That and... Um, and also, it's Alec Guinness in brownface. If you want to yeah. talk, coming back to in that thing. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. And uh, so I was not looking forward to another David Lean saga. Although apparently, but I did end up enjoying it. And I was surprised to find apparently it like burned a bridge between Alec Guinness and David Lean, who had collaborated on a number of occasions, mm-hmm. and they just had so many difficulties and bumped heads on so many things. But it is a beautiful. Well, the, the movie. shooting of that movie was grueling. 
How long was it? Like a it year? was it was uh, over. It was like close to two years, wow. and most of it was shot in Madrid in Spain. Right. And for example, the they um, tried to get Russia, but the, the bureaucracy yeah, oh, was too no, difficult. no, and yeah. the book was banned in Russia. Oh, really? Yeah, the Russians didn't see the movie or the book until the fall of the in in 1991. And like all the scenes that you see that were in the winter, that's all like beeswax and all that. Really? And they were like suffocating while they had all these coats on and they were supposed to be freezing. Like the filming of it. I mean, I've watched like every documentary there is on the filming of Dr. Zhivago because, again, I love it. Right. Um, but the, it was grueling. It was absolutely grueling. And you can imagine the sweat is horrible because in the, all these new restorations, this is a pratfall of old cinema, is like these wonderful, gorgeous restorations that make it way more clear the screen than anyone ever intended you can see the layering of makeup the yeah. cake that they're oh, all yeah. wearing on oh, their yeah, face yeah. Yeah. Um, which was meant to complement a kind of fuzzy soft and focus. at the time of Dr. Shivago I forget if it beat Cleopatra or Cleopatra beat it in terms of, of set size of the sets mm -hmm. because like that who did Cleopatra? Cleopatra who did Cleopatra? no clue um, I forget now um like the whole set where they uh, Moscow, uh -huh. that was all built. All of that really? is a set. It's on a soundstage. I I I'm telling you, when people ask me about that movie, I'm like, I recommend it. It's one of my all time favorite movies. I love to just watch it, and I watch it at least two or three times a year. And Jesus, put it, yes, and put it in the background. Um, okay, that, okay, that's different. And you um, live with it, is what you're saying. I live with it. Like if I'm, it's a weekend, and I don't have a lot to do, and I'm just hanging out in my house. I'll put it on. Okay. I, I, abs I absolutely love the movie, but it's not for everyone. Joseph Mankiewicz. Joseph Mankiewicz. That makes sense. Oh, he also did All About Eve. Uh, yeah. Um, it is a great movie. But what would you say? It's one thing you've learned from watching these movies. So my Jesus, um, <laughs> I've learned I have untapped wells of discipline and, that I didn't anticipate. Jesus, um, I don't know. Boiling it all down to one thing, I what, what keeps coming up is about not being intimidated and re realizing that like a person is a person and a person, and that every movie is really an effort to reach out to you, mm -hmm. and um, it's not. Because I came into this with so much intimidation, and I think that's what inhibits people from watching black and white movies, silent movies, is that they're not going to get it. But realize this is that every art, every kid who ever doodled in his notebook throughout history is the same kid. He wants to express himself, and he finds different right. ways of doing it. And this is people reaching toward you. It's not like you have to do. Maybe with David Lynch, you have to do a lot of work. Yeah, there are oh, some yeah. people who are like, okay, you come to me. Um, but it's people trying to reach out to you. And if you just sit back and don't hyper-focus and don't... Like, I remember Tarantino... Okay, I remember Tarantino making the distinction once of, like, Pulp Fiction is a challenging movie insofar as you have to focus. He says... You can, and I remember he said, I'm Charlie Rose, you can't watch it while doing the New York Times crossword puzzle. You just have to sit with it. That's all I ask, is that you sit and you look at the screen and you listen. And really, that's what all, all these movies need. It's just... It's people trying to connect to you. And... Um, I don't know. There's, there have been a lot of other lessons because relationships have come and go as come, come and gone as I've been go, do, going through these movies. Um, but yeah, I think the one that I keep coming back to is like, there's nothing to be scared of here. It's, this is all just people trying to be your friend, trying to be remembered.
So you have your you have about halfway of the list left. Are you rewatching movies you've already seen that are on the list? There are some where I've had to rewatch. I mean, I was not super um, exploratory when I was younger with sort of older movies, but there have been some that I've rewatched, and it is a very different experience because you're watching it within the context of its release. Right. Wizard of Oz is, is one that, which apparently Wizard of Oz was like a bomb at the box office because it came out. Really? T- it came out two weeks prior to the declaration of war. And uh, or no, excuse me. Two weeks prior, I think to Germany's invasion of Poland, Jeez. and it got subsumed. Got subsumed by the press about that, and it didn't get famous until the '60s when it was airing on TV, mm-hmm. and people started seeing it in their living rooms. Are there and any James Bond movies in there? The only one I just heard you say on I think last week's show that you're such a big fan. Only to my surprise, only Goldfinger, and I thought that was because it was the first one. And granted, it was 1964. Goldfinger. I'm in, yeah, and I'm in '70, and I don't. Yeah, that was the only one. Oh, I'm disappointed with that. I blame Shirley Bassey. But is it because Goldfinger encapsulates something about just the spirit of Bond that the others don't? No, I I don't wouldn't put Goldfinger in in the Bond universe. I wouldn't even put it in, in the top five. But I think Goldfinger is very sixties. The naked body with the gold, because there's a something very iconic. Yes, maybe, but. But it's definitely not the best. The pussy bond. galore thing, um, yeah. and then like there's a banner over her flight school. It's like pussies flying, mm-hmm. whatever. Yeah. Um, I think I can see how a film scholar who's like, we got to pack in a thousand. How many Bond movies do we put in? Um, I would. Th- I would. Like I would have put from Russia with Love. That's the most famous title, I think. Right, mm, but I think image-wise, iconography-wise. Oh yes, the yeah. laser, the laser up his up toward his groin, Goldfinger as a villain, um, and I think they probably contextualize it within the popularity of Austin oh, Powers. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I could see why. Yeah. Okay, so this is what we got to do: <laughs> watch Uh-oh. all these thousand movies. No, <laughs> when he's done with the other five hundred, bring him back. Yes, and yes. you can talk about the entirety. Um, by then, you'll be what seventy-three. Roughly. Okay. We'll be on like episode 400, 412, but then it'll be great. So, I hope to be on, on I hope to be back for that before episode 200 of your, of Better Let Me Tell. Okay, good. Okay, good. We're we're zeroing in on 100. Yeah, I know. This is 83? Yeah. 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 So, that was great. I mean, we could, we could literally go on for hours. But, um, but thank you so much. This has been really awesome. I, I enjoyed it. Um, I could have gone on for hours. Yeah. Just, <laughs> just about Javago. <laughs> once the mic goes off, ladies and gentlemen, we probably will. <laughs> so, okay, again, Alex, thank you so much for joining us. You know, um, so it's thousandmovieproject.com. You're yes. on Instagram. You have a podcast as well. Yes. You have a, a live one-man show, I think. I do stand-up at TM Poets, yes. Also, yeah, and I've, I finally got the podcast on TuneIn. Did you guys do that? Yeah, so now oh. if you belch at Alexa, like, Thousand Movie Project podcast, like, she plays it. Oh. Oh, okay. We okay, well, now that. that's on our list of things to do. Yeah. While you watch the other 500, <laughs> we're going to figure out how to <laughs> okay. do that. But uh, thank you so much for, thank for, you so much for being for, with us, man. Thank you for so much it's, for it's having me. Fun. It's been a delight binging you guys for the past week. I've had a wonderful time. Thank you thank very you. much. Glad to be entered into the canon. Thank <laughs> you. Glad you came. And we're back. Yes, sir. So you told me lies. I can't take it no more. He's been singing the whole time. Girl, I promise you, all my love is true. This is where my heart belongs. Come on, you know you want to so sing wait, it. So they did, wait, wait, like, hold on. Come on. Here I am, so alone. And there's nothing in this world I can do. Until you're back here, baby. Miss you, want you, need you so Until you're back here, baby, yeah 
There's a feeling inside I want you to know You are the one and I can't let you go Welcome back to Pero Let Me Tell You <laughs> With our musical interludes <laughs> Okay, you know that that's going to be the outro song now, right? It is now <laughs> Anyway, a thousand movies. A thousand movies. And he's already halfway through, though. Yeah, and I feel like, as we mentioned in the interview, he he did the hard ones first. Well, yeah, because... But even still, he's saying that some of the hard ones are still to come because now that everybody has access to... Well, the hardest to watch because... Because you can't relate to them. Well, no, because like, which is what I, I kind of mentioned in the interview. You know, I'm a movie buff, too, and I like to watch these old movies and, you know... I see them and I take them for their value in right, terms of right. what they meant at the time. But like as I mentioned to Metropolis, that's like supposed to be one of the most iconic, most groundbreaking and influential movies of all time. Have you ever seen it? No. It's a very hard movie to sit down and watch for over an hour because right. it's just back then. It's silent, right? It is, but it's not even that. It's just that movies at that time didn't have the narratives that they have now and like the right. plot right. sequences that they have now. So as a viewer, we're used to more modern ways of right. telling stories. Right. Which is something Alex says many times. So they're they're very they're not watcher friendly in the twenty like first century. Hindsight wise. Yeah. yeah. So but good for him. I think it's really awesome that he's doing that. And you know, as he said, he's learning something about it. Yeah, I mean, just about history, about, you know, the, the evolution of society and things like that. So. And again, we're all about the listen, laugh, and learn. Yes, so. sir. So, I actually want to give my last Coke to, and, you know, I, 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 I generally, um, you know, generally we like to give the last Coke to people who did great things and all mm-hmm. that. Um, and this is no sh- different than that. But um, this is a little bit different. I... I, I don't want to make this last Coke um, in, in, in a... I don't want to make it funny or anything because it's definitely not a funny matter. But mm-hmm. I do want to recognize the boy who lost this um, his life this week, Christian Burgos. Local, local boy here, 17 years old. Mm-hmm. He drowned saving a woman and her son. And he saved them from like a rip current. In, um, in the beach? Yeah. In the beach? And he went in and he saw that they were in distress and he saved them. And, and at, you know. was that the ultimate sacrifice. Yeah, and he drowned. And, you know. Wow. I mean, obviously the kid's a hero and he's gotten press coverage, rightfully so, about right, right. this act. But, you know, it, it really makes you think mm-hmm. about, you know, it, anybody, but especially somebody that young, yeah. you know, that he would be so selfless to know that he was putting his life in peril, but just not even think about it twice. Go and try to save these right, people. Right, right. And he did. Wow. Um, so, I mean, he deserves all the recognition in the world. So, you know, wow. my last Coke is That's... to him. Well, now mine is going to seem super, super, you know, just frivolous. Um, well, I'm sure the Heifer Corporation <laughs> approves. Always, a, always appreciates our, our, our call outs. Um, I'm actually going to give it to a production that is happening right now in, in I think it's in Pasadena. Um, Pasadena, where are you at? Englewood. Englewood always up to no good. I have no idea what you're doing right now. California love. Oh, okay. So um, there's currently a production of Little Shop of Horrors that is happening in the Los Angeles area. 
And aside from being my favorite, um, one of my favorite musicals, and just I, I love the music of it, the songs are, are super catchy. The one thing that makes me really call this out, and they performed this week on the James Corden show, they performed Suddenly Seymour, is the casting. Suddenly Susan? No, Suddenly Seymour. Oh. Brooke Shields is not in this. Okay. The casting is what has really caught my eye. Seymour is being played by a Hispanic uh, George Salazar, who was last on Broadway and Be More Chill. And Audrey is also being uh, portrayed by a Latina, but it is a trans Latina. Oh, okay. MJ Rodriguez from Pose. And so I found that's what, you know, again, I love this musical. I love this show. I, I love just everything about it. But, you know, it, it's fantastic to see them stepping out of their the traditional casting you know it, mm-hmm. it's we're not just going to have the little nebbish and the blonde you know a sex kitten looking girl like it, they're they're really embracing the diversity of now and and what that talent can and does look like in the realities of of who we are so you know i, I want to give my last soda to the current production of little shop in i think it's in the la, la jolla mm-hmm. playhouse it's, it's la pasadena i don't know um just because they they had that that foresight and that courage to kind of say this is the production we're going to mount. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, good for them. Yeah. And I was going to sing little shop, little shop awesome. of horrors, but instead I'm going to sing I didn't mean to fall in love <laughs> with you. Okay, did they release three singles here? Or they did. What was the third one? I can't. I'll be the. Um, I'm uh, still on your side. side. There you go. There Day you go. and night, wrong or right. No. no, doesn't matter if I'm wrong or right. I'm, I'm still, still by your side. side. Okay. I was like, I know there were three <laughs> singles, and I couldn't for the life of me remember the third one. <laughs> wow. This episode has been brought to you by BB Mac. BB Mac. <laughs> you know what? Thank you, BB Mac. <laughs> you unintentionally and unknowingly sponsored this entire thing. Well, everybody, we hope that, that was a mixed bag of fun. That was all over the place in the best way possible. <laughs> um, but that's what you sign up for when you listen, listen to us. Pero let me tell you. It's Pero Friday. Listen, laugh, happen. and learn. We hope you <laughs> grab your pastelito, your croqueta, and your jupiña. And until we're back here for episode 84, yes. this is episode 83. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. 
With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.